This is your other brother's podcast. Welcome, friends, to your other brother's podcast, navigating faith, homosexuality, and masculinity together. I'm your host, Tom, and here with me is my brother, Ryan. Hello. Hello, Ryan. And joining us, returning from a long-lost winter, is our good friend and brother, Jacob. What's up, Jacob? Hey there, guys. How are you doing, Jacob? I'm doing pretty good. It feels good to be back. It is amazing to have you back. It's been ages, months. So glad to be doing this with you again. Months. Yeah. Same. Thanks. And I don't know, is it too soon to do a spoiler alert? (laughs) We're only 30 (laughs) seconds into this podcast. No, like the beginning is when you do spoiler alerts. (laughs) Oh yeah, that is actually the exact time to do a spoiler alert. Uh Um, Jacob, we anticipate, I mean, anything can happen. Things can change, but we anticipate you coming back next month as well. Is, Is that correct? Is that... Your plan? That is accurate, unless okay. something awful happens between now and then. Let's hope not. Let's I think that not. was a spoiler, <laughs> not a spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. Y'all are... Oops. If everything goes according to plan, you're going to get a double dose of Jacob these next couple of months. Because, y'all, we're talking about we're talking about something so exciting and so enthusiastic today. We've, we've all been looking forward to this conversation for such a long time. I know I have. Uh, we're actually talking about intimacy mm. today. Let your mind wander to what that means. Such a broad topic. I know. Broad and yet so deep. Yeah. So very deep. Good thing we have two episodes. Yeah. So I don't know. That's like the 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 experiment in the making right now is like we know Jacob's coming back next month. That's the plan. And we could be talking about intimacy for five hours or or maybe we'll switch gears and we'll talk about something else next month. We're gonna see how this goes. But as of now, we are diving into intimacy and my thought is that it is such a broad, deep topic that I would, I'd like to think that we are three very <laughs> intimate people who have yes. intimate stories to share and wisdom mm. to bestow, mm-hmm. and that it's not going to be <laughs> able to be contained within a single episode, right? Amen. <laughs> yeah. Are we all on the, on the same page there? Uh, we'll see. Yeah, we're going to see how this episode goes. I'm, I've, I've been telling people, and I tweeted this earlier for those that are on the, the Twitter um, that this is the episode I am by far and away. I can't remember ever being anxious about an episode and I'm not like scared to death to talk about intimacy, mm-hmm. but it's definitely like, I would much rather talk about pornography. I would much rather talk about masturbation. I'm going to be mentioning masturbation in this episode. So stay mm-hmm. tuned. Um, there are like so many other things that maybe other, other people would be scared or put off by, but for some reason, and I guess we're going to dive into that today. Intimacy for me is a really scary topic. That's interesting because some of the other topics we were kicking around uh, for this podcast, I was, even though I suggested one of them was, I was nervous as heck about possibly talking about it. Uh, I won't 
I won't say you, what it was. You're not going to tease. Or you're, <laughs> oh. You are going to tease the Well, I, w- I would tease it <laughs> if I tease, knew we Ryan. were going to do yeah, the episode We could eventually. save that episode. That could be a future episode, so we don't want to put that out there. Yeah, yeah. Because then the listeners will be like, oh, but why didn't you talk about that? But it was along those lines, mm-hmm. and then we settled on intimacy, and it was kind of like, oh, okay, you know, huh, I can talk about that. <laughs> we, like, stepped back from the ledge a little bit. My parents are listening point. to this podcast maybe eventually, so, yeah. <laughs> right. You always have to consider the parents. Do your parents listen, everybody in the room? Mine have not yet, oh, okay. um, but I think they they could. This this could actually be their very first episode. So wow. hi, mom and dad. Welcome to <laughs> Jacob's parents. Welcome to Ryan's parents. Welcome to my parents. Yeah. We're gonna just we're gonna make our parents so proud today. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I feel it. I feel it coming on. But yeah, we're gonna so stay tuned, everybody. We're gonna talk about intimacy, and I honestly, I really do believe it's gonna be a great episode. I feel it in my gut. I feel it in my bones. It's going to be good. Mm -hmm. So stay tuned. But before we get there, we need to do a quick little, Ryan, this is Mm -hmm. primarily for you, Jacob. You can just kind of sit back for a little bit. Uh, (laughs) This is, we need to do a quick little PS, a quick little follow up from our last episode because, um, I'm still on a high. I'm still on cloud nine from being able to talk to weird Jesus himself Uh and to be able to have this moment. Like I still wake up one some mornings. I'm like, oh my gosh, I talked to that guy from those uh-huh. weird Jesus videos. Such a blessing. <laughs> Had him on my podcast. Like what? What an absolute happen? blessing. You know, okay. So I was teaching um, Sunday school last night uh, at the at the evening service and I teach third to fifth grade and this third grade girl came in and she started making up rules for the classroom and uh, and she started making this like, seemingly out of nowhere rule about the only book you're allowed to read is the Bible and, (laughs) and also no laughing um, unless you're laughing at how dumb the devil is. And when Mm. she got to that point, she was writing these on the board when she got, and and so like, while she's writing this down, I'm like, uh, this is like a little, like not right. Like, should I stop her? But then she got to the, like, unless you're laughing at how dumb the devil is, which is, Definitely a quote from the Jesus videos. And I was like, oh, someone's watched the Jesus videos. Like <laughs> she this, knows where, this where third grader, going. this is intergenerational now. Mm. Like the kids, the youths. Yeah, the Gen Z or whatever. Yeah, she shouldn't next. even be on YouTube, but she's seen it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. That's amazing. Yeah. And we had, so for everybody who is supporting your other brothers on Patreon, all of our yabbers and all of our yabbies, we, we put out a bonus podcast every month called the Yabalog. And it's just a great time to put in all the bloopers and all the fun stuff. Not that we don't ever have fun stuff in our regular episodes, um, but we put it just like I, a lot of extra stuff that doesn't really fit into the into this episode, into this show, um, and a lot of opportunities for bloopers. And this was far and away my favorite Yabalog to compile because we had Weird Jesus filling in the silences with his weird voice and and just saying things that... I, I got more than I asked for. I was I would have been happy if he would have just said one sentence in the Jesus voice the whole episode, and I would be like, oh, thank mm-hmm. you, thank you, Lord. I've tasted mm-hmm. and seen your goodness. <laughs> thank you, weird Lord. <laughs> but um, he like went to that well many times throughout the episode, yeah. and I was a blessing every time. And we put a we put a few of those on uh, on the last Yabba log. So for all of our yabbers and our yabbies, if you haven't listened to it yet, by all means, go and listen to it and. And this is just, yeah, a little plug, a little shout out. It's yeah. never too late to become a yobber and to to bask in 
the bonus goodness that is the Yabalog. And he had some legit good serious stuff to say too. Like we don't want to. <laughs> it wasn't just. It wasn't just a comedy him. show. <laughs> we didn't just have him on for his weird Jesus voice. <laughs> that was absolutely yeah. just like icing on the cake. Because yeah, we had a really substantive conversation, yeah. and it was really great to hear like his and y'all, like y'all, your guys's story of connecting and connecting yeah. specifically in ministry at a church like that was, that was really cool to hear about and that was interesting because we talked about our relationship and how we think about each other and feel about each other in a way that we wouldn't like yeah i was gonna say i <laughs> meant know, to ask like... you that is that like was that new information or was that stuff that he had said before or like was it like it, what was your vantage point from like hearing him talk about you i mean it was stuff that like we've talked about he said things adjacent to all that but mm-hmm. You know, when we sit down on the microphone and talk about our relationship for an audience, like things, we say things much more, you know, explicitly and um, definitively than than we have in the past, like in kind of a one-on-one meeting or whatever. So, yeah. And so that was even just a blessing for me to talk about um, our relationship and feel affirmed in that. And um, I was so glad for that opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. That was really awesome. I thoroughly enjoyed having Matt on. Would love to have him back someday. I think that'd yeah. be great to think that that could just be the beginning. Like there could be all kinds of weird Jesusy things that he <laughs> says in the future. Um, I wanted to read this. So I mentioned our, our, our Yabba log and our yobbers. Um, so I did get this message from one of our yobbers as he was listening to the episode. And I just wanted to share it cause it brought me so much joy. And, um, he messaged me as he was listening to the episode and he just messaged me in all capital letters, Tom period. And so then he continues, it like gets your attention when Mm -hmm. it's like, it starts off with capital letters. Y'all ever start text that way? Mm -hmm. It's like, like, gotta, gotta bring them in. All right. So he said, capital letters, Tom, you have no idea how many times me and my friends have watched and parodied those Jesus videos. I am capital letters, freaking period out period during this podcast. I cannot believe this is happening. This is so wonderful. <laughs> oh my gosh. So the enthusiasm from that person alone made it all worth it. I mean, I would have done that in a to an audience of crickets. Like, I yeah. don't care. Like, if anybody listened to that episode, <laughs> I would have been totally fine. But the fact that it resonated with this one person in such a profound, enthusiastic way just brought me so much joy. So huge shout out to that yobber for reaching out to me. And, and yeah, big shout out to Matt if you're listening you brought joy to the world <laughs> on our last episode. So thank you, Matt. I'm sure that one comment was just the tip of the iceberg. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So much, so much love for Pastor Matt, a.k.a. Weird Jesus. And so now we have Jacob. <laughs> Who can't really do any cool voices. You can't well, do any not voices? Entirely true, but not really any that would that would bring anyone joy. All right, y'all. So we took, because of Pastor Matt being in and because he was new and I wanted to like make sure we had enough time to to get to know him and get to know Ryan, we kind of just disregarded the brother beat. I and mean, this is this new phenomenon that's taking over our show the last several episodes. We took a brother break. We took a brother beat break. Um, but now we're back. We're back to beating and we're going to do it. And actually, Jacob, you were the one that helped us kick off the brother beat, didn't you? I am. I was I was honored. And this is just a reminder for new listeners or for those that are just like, what are they talking about? Brother beat? What is that? So um, this is the new the new intro segments that we do. Um, we're all going to bring something to the table, a beat, something that's in the news or something that's in our lives, some kind of question or discussion that we just want to bring for the first few minutes of the show. And we'll feature two of them on our the show you're listening to right now, Your Other Brothers podcast. 
And then whichever one just is not as good, that'll go to the Yavalok. <laughs> or not as good or just Don't doesn't say that, fit. Tom. No, it's not as good. It's just if it fits. You know, it's that quotient that's hard to uh-huh. nail down. Like, does it fit or not? So that'll be extra bonus material on the Yavalog coming out in a few weeks. So, but anyway, let's go to Ryan. Ryan, what is your brother beat for so. this episode? And I'm very interested based on the disclaimer you gave me before we started. Yeah, I have clearance uh, from the producers to uh, use the F word. Oh yeah, my. we've done it before, so we'll do yeah. it again. So I saw an article and I read it uh, from Vice News about, um, about this new trend in Silicon Valley in that area of, quote, organized intimacy. And I thought it would be an interesting... Uh, you know, kind of on topic thing to talk about. And so in this article, they talked about a few different kind of kinds of events that are now happening in the Bay Area where all the um, very interesting people live. And so I wanted to read a few of these and I'm going to ask you guys to rank from highest to lowest, from most interested to least interested or most likely to least likely your level of participation that we would so participate i want to know i want to know in these um oh boy yeah you're going to rank them from most likely to participate okay. to least likely and to how many items are there there are five five items okay okay so the first one is cuddle party we might have heard of these pretty standard i think you know just get together and so like with, with how people. many people I'm, I'm still trying to envision what this is like a dozen a dozen people but not like all cuddling together at once i think that from what i from what i can tell that happens at the end the cuddle puddle yeah yeah they call it the cuddle puddle so you like pair off first and triple or up you or like yeah you like then... find different uh-huh. cuddle partners and spend different amounts of time okay with them. so that's the first one the cuddle party uh the second one is something called the heart fuck. There's no ex- there's no description given. So just, <laughs> you just have that. to imagine what that means. <laughs> um. Okay. <laughs> so there's that. Um, there's semantic exploration, and so semantic, from what I can gather, is a word that's a hybrid of romantic with somatic. Somatic being like having to do with the body. Uh, and this is described as a very special evening of dance connection and, in all capital letters, play. So that's semantic exploration. Uh, the next one is cacao consent and conscious dance party. So I think it's a, I think it's a party of conscious dance. I think that's a style of dance. And there's cacao and, and consent involved. I guess they, they're talking about consent. Can I put all of these at the end of the list? But let's keep going. Uh, and I'm still waiting one, for like, yes, I would love that. Yeah, same. But yeah. Here we go. Um, and the last one is uh, the eye contact party. Ooh. Where, tell me more. Um, where you get together with a bunch of people and you're just intentionally making eye contact with them. The whole time, just gazing mm. into each other's eyes. And I mean, it's going to be mostly strangers. That is far and away at the top of my list. And okay. Tom from Amen. years ago would have, I mean, I'm still horrified by most of those items on the list, but I would have been horrified by eye contact as little as a year ago, even. I think I've come a long way actually mm-hmm. as a kid because I went on a retreat many months ago and eye contact was very 
pivotal to the experience and it was awkward and it was lingering and it was like like it starts Mm -hmm. to like get your heart racing and mind's thoughts racing too and yet it is like a profound simple act of beauty and connection and dare i say intimacy and i Mm. really enjoy eye contact now so that is at the top of my list okay jacob you sounded like you were Uh, well i have one last thing to add about the eye contact party one writer who attended described it as quote more intimate than an orgy (laughs) yeah and more meaningful i think yeah sure yeah what say you about the eye contact orgy so the eye contact one is honestly the only one I would I would actually do. So that goes to the top just because the rest sound horrifying. <laughs> Does the for the cuddle party, which I believe was number one, are these these are all people that you're just meeting there at the party, right? You're not yeah, like bringing a group of friends. All of these you're the meeting for the first event. time. I think you, you can bring friends. I would and have probably... to bring only friends and <laughs> bring 12 friends to t- occupy exactly. all 12 spots there. Yeah. You, and presumably there are regulars. So like you can make friends there. Yeah. Like some people like are really gym. good. Some people are really good with physical touch with strangers. And I've learned over the years that it's not like a thing for me. I don't know. <laughs> I enjoy physical touch, but I have to know you and I have to yeah. share something with you, I yep. guess. Um, yeah, so I don't know if I would put that at the end. I don't know. Some of those other ones were kind of scary. The dance party thing, I, I am not about that. I think I'm making that my least favorite. I'm going to do, yeah, most favorite eye contact, least favorite, the cacao <laughs> consent dance party. Consent. That just like was all kinds of things that I don't want to even know. I don't want to deal with. So that's at the bottom for me. What's mm-hmm. at your bottom, Jacob? Ooh, well, I'm just, I'm a bit sad that the heart F1 doesn't have a description because it has me really curious of like yeah. what if that's just like <laughs> using words and saying really deep or meaningful yeah. things i'm going on the i'm going out on a limb i'm rolling the dice and i'm gonna put that in my number two spot <laughs> okay. because oh, i'm like boy. i think this could actually be a good thing it's not explained but mm-hmm. the heart f <laughs> option <laughs> i uh yeah i'm i'm intrigued i want to hear more i love mm-hmm. messy heart things so let's do it let's let's do it also i have a question that's kind of dumb i'm i'm blanking on what cacao is my mind first went to chocolate but i think that's something mm. different that's it's what I went the to, uh no it's the um it's the type of bean the type of plant that they make chocolate, chocolate out of from okay okay yeah Good. but i think based on context uh it might also be the name of a drug oh <laughs> Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm but you don't know idea. until you show up. I would actually put that one as my number two because I don't. I feel wow. like I don't mind dancing with strangers, yeah. and no one's gonna force you to ingest like whatever cacao is. That's that's true, but the part about consent makes me nervous. If it's if it's a kind of <laughs> dancing or a kind of cacao consuming, yeah, what are we consenting? Requires to? consent. Know. Yeah, no. I don't know. This is true. Um, and so then I guess what are, I'm missing two now, the sem- semantic something uh, and the cuddle party, right? Yeah, yeah. That one just sounded like an orgy. I'm going to put the, yeah, I'm going to put the faux orgy number four and then the mm-hmm. semantic one number three right in the middle. I think that's, I feel good about that. Okay. That list. What about you, Jacob? Let's finalize your ordering. Uh, yeah. So I think I would, I think I would actually follow you through what you had at the end of your list would also be mine. Okay. Okay. Ryan, do you have a list for yourself? Um, I'm going to go rapid fire. No, no questions. I'm not yeah. taking questions on <laughs> no this. Questions. <laughs> Just tell us where you put the heart and tell us. Uh, I'm going to go with 
Caldwell Party, Eye Contact, uh, Heart Fuck, Semantic Exploration, and Conscious Dance Party. All right. I, I have questions, but I'm not going to ask them mm. because you've denied them. Okay. Very interesting. Thank you, Vice. You got that from Vice, huh? Yeah. Wow. And what I thought also was interesting, which I meant to bring up earlier, was that this the the writer kind of interprets this as coming out of like the uh kind of like the free love movement where they had all these like wild sex parties and realized they weren't really finding real connection. They weren't really mm-hmm. finding real intimacy. And so now all this stuff is kind of trying to organize and create intimacy, like kind of trying to cultivate intimacy with the, in the community um, because they feel the need for that. And so these are their mm-hmm. different approaches, but Anyway, yeah, I thought that was a very interesting take on the situation. That was. I'm very curious to hear what our listeners think about that list. Comment below where you would put your heart <laughs> moment, oh and we would we would love to know where you would put What's that in happening? your work. All right, so leave it to Tom to spiritualize things and bring yes. it back a little bit. Um, I'm curious, as we're recording this, as this comes out, we are in the middle of the Lenten season as we prepare our hearts for Easter and for the crucifixion and resurrection of our Lord. I'm curious, you guys, um, because I, just speaking for myself, did not grow up in a liturgical household. Lent was not a thing for me growing up. That was not a thing. That was a thing I had to learn about and be like, oh, people do this. Do I want to do this? And I haven't done this every year in my adulthood and there have been years that I've missed it and some that I've been felt more, I guess you could say convicted to do it. But I'm curious if y'all have ever participated in Lent and as we are in Lent right now, if you're participating this year, any Mm -hmm. Lent stories? I do have a story about Ash Wednesday, which is of course the beginning of Lent. When I was in college, I had never, I had heard of Lent, but I had never heard of Ash Wednesday and the kind of traditional thing to do on Ash Wednesday is to have ashes put on your forehead in the shape of a cross and so um so i was walking through my college campus one morning and all these people like kind of random looking people had these black crosses on their foreheads and it was very it was kind of this like gray cloudy day and there's this sense of foreboding about it and it was like a freaky surreal thing and i couldn't figure out what was Mm. going on and i didn't have the guts to ask anyone um and yeah. i think later that day or maybe the next day i figured out oh this is a something that like a lot of catholics do and that so- is how i was introduced to ash wednesday as well i was working at a gym in college mm-hmm. and at the cashier's window all of a sudden a guy came up and he had this like smudge on his forehead and i was like oh my gosh he doesn't know he doesn't know (laughs) and he's like smiling Uh, and happy he's clearly having a great day this is the morning like it's like nine o'clock in the morning i was like oh no like he must have like rolled over on a dead bug or something i don't know like what is going on and and yeah as like a very passive person i just couldn't couldn't i'm one of those people i'm such a bad friend like if you have broccoli in your teeth like i'm just not gonna say anything i can't it's too much um and then I, I had to learn very awkwardly from somebody like, cause I asked like, Hey, did you see that? One of my coworkers mm. or staff or somebody, I forget. And then they were like, yeah, it's like, it's, I think it's Ash Wednesday today. Like mm-hmm. I think translation. Yeah. It's Ash Wednesday. <laughs> you idiot. You don't know anything about the world. And then I had to, yeah, realize, wow, I've lived an incredibly sheltered existence and I have to learn how the world works. Cause I had no idea that was a thing all the way up until yeah middle of college. So, so I, I too had an Ash Wednesday awakening 
moment. Yeah. And my church does Ash Wednesday, the church I go to now. And so, and sometimes they have it in the morning. And so since then I've like gone to work in the morning with the ashes on my forehead. And it is interesting to like, you know, that's, that's the only thing I really do that kind of marks me as Mm. a follower of Jesus. Like I don't wear the WWJD bracelet or anything. So, (laughs) um, so it's like a kind of a little bit, almost stepping outside of my comfort zone. Um, and yeah, it like, puts you out there. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but to answer your question, uh, in the past I have given up alcohol for Lent, mm. um, which was good. Um, was and, that hard? Was that challenging? Um, oh, a little bit. I think, I think also it was helpful to, um, feel like, I feel like I could have a social life and have fun without alcohol. Like it was sort of reaffirming of just like, okay, yeah, like I, I'm, I can have fun with my friends without this. And I think that's a good reminder to have when, you know, when you feel the freedom to have a moderate amount of drinks sometimes. Mm -hmm. This year uh, I am taking a break from Twitter that happens to line up with the 40 days of Lent, although I'm not really framing it as I'm giving it up for Lent because I feel like there's this whole theology and this whole like orthopraxy around fasting that I'm not probably really fulfilling by taking a break from Twitter, but it's just, it's just nice to (laughs) take a break for a little bit. (laughs) Twitter can swallow you up sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. But I'm, I'm confused, Ryan, because I don't believe I saw on Twitter you announcing that you were taking a break from Twitter. <laughs> right. So you're you obviously the, not doing it right. Because... You missed the prerequisite. I'm fasting. <laughs> yes. Everyone look at me as I depart into the shadows. Everyone knows. Yeah. Well, shucks. Oh, I guess I did it wrong. Maybe Sorry. next. Maybe next Lent. <laughs> maybe I'll try to get it right. You'll do better time. next time. Maybe next year you'll do it right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Jacob, what about you? Have you ever observed Lent or participated? (sighs) Yeah. So kind of like you, I was also, I was raised in a church where Lent wasn't really a big part of the, of, um, our church life, but I did go to school with quite a few Catholic people. And so I really like would only, I would only know that it was Ash Wednesday by seeing all of the ashes on people's heads while I was at school. And some of the teachers too would actually have it. Um, and it wasn't really, it wasn't until college actually that I actually observed Lent in my own way. I think I gave up coffee for Lent, which which actually was a a really good thing because it was, um, a pretty constant reminder of something that I really wanted that I was not letting myself have. So I think that was actually a growing and helpful time. Currently at my church, we, we did actually have a service on the evening of Ash Wednesday, which was really cool. Didn't actually have any, any ashes or anything that were put on, but we are going through a Lent uh, booklet that the church made and handed out. So where every day it has um, a different, uh, question and a little reading of sorts to kind of help the people prepare for Easter every day, which is pretty cool. Very nice. Yeah, for me, so fasting for me has always been a very enjoyable thing. 
And I don't know why. Like, for some reason, the idea of, like, going days without food to, like, with the intention of, like, refocusing and, and like, yeah, every time I feel a groan and every time I feel lightheaded or every time my fingertips feel tingly and I'm just, like, I'm so desperate for food, it, like, is such a clear reminder of where my ultimate satisfaction and purpose and provision come from. And I've had some incredible experiences with fasting from food and and that translates to technology of fasted. I think I did fast for coffee one year. Um, that being said, so this year is interesting. <laughs> this year is different. Um, I'm not fasting per se, but I am, I have realized, and this is going to be a great, um, potentially a great segue into our episode today. Um, but over the last many, many months, I think masturbation for me has become something that has gotten a little out of control and I've gotten a little dependent on. And we all draw different lines on masturbation. We did episodes on masturbation. We've talked about it on the podcast and on the blog. And um, there's lots of different opinions about what scripture says about it. And is it okay? Is it not okay? Is it okay in certain situations and not others? At the end of the day, I think we can all agree it's not good to be like overrun and dominated by something, whether it's Mm -hmm. masturbation, whether it's alcohol, whether it's whatever, to be like dependent on a substance or a practice. Um, and ultimately for me, just speaking for me, like it's been something that's been so distracting. And so, um, it's taking me out of that mindset and out of that zone of relying on God first and foremost. Um, and so it feels weird. And I actually, so as we're recording this, I'm actually in the middle of a draft of a blog post that will probably go up prior to the episode. So it's like we're doing all kinds of wonky time travel things mm, right now. Okay. As I'm talking about this, y'all can probably click onto this blog post that I'm talking about, um, about quote unquote fasting from masturbation this Lent season. Cause it's not quite a fast. I wouldn't, I don't think that's the right terminology, but, um, nonetheless, I'm taking a, at the very least a 40 day step away from that and learning to just like yeah, refocus. And so far, like, you know, only a few days in, it's been really good, really like empowering in a lot of ways and challenging in some others. But, um, but yeah, I bring that up. Cause like, I just, yeah, I'm curious. I've been curious about people's thoughts on fasting and I want to, mm. this was a thing that was not really like part of my culture, my Christian culture growing up. And I'm all, I'm all about it. I'm all about fasting. And I encourage people to try it. If you've never done it, like there's probably people listening who have never fasted and I want to like encourage people to really lean into that because that is a cool, whether it's for Lent or, or whatever, like, and then it can, it can look like, you know, whatever you want. It can look like a day. It can look like six hours. It can look like, but tell yourself, this is the length of time, make it very clear. And, and then follow that out knowing that, you know, it should probably be a little challenging on some level. It shouldn't be just like a slam dunk, like, Oh, I'm going to go an hour without Twitter. Maybe that's hard for some people, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I think that's a, it's a great practice to develop and to, to continue to hone with some regularity. Yeah. I would echo every, all that about fasting that it, um, like fasting from food is very biblical and can be a very like good spiritual exercise, you know, standard caveats apply about, you know, uh, people, people, if you think you might have an eating disorder or, mm-hmm. you know, there's sure. other health concerns as well. Um, so definitely it's not for everyone, but, um, but for those who, um, for those who are able, um, it's, it's a real blessing. And also I, I'll throw in there that, uh, I gave up masturbation for Lent, um, 
in college once. Good I did, for you. I didn't make it though. <laughs> <laughs> how many How many days did you make in ballpark? I, I don't remember. Maybe fifteen. Fifteen. Okay. Hey. Respectable. Yeah. We'll see. And I have to get there my, myself. The thing with Lent is about halfway through, you start to remember. Oh well. Like the Orthodox Church has these like exceptions for Sundays and like <laughs> try to find those loopholes. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, my brothers, for beating <laughs> for beating with me today. Um, yeah, if y'all are curious about what we didn't talk about, head on over to the Yabalog in a couple of weeks and you can listen to it. Um, I wanted to give a shout out to all of our amazing supporters who have rated and reviewed us on iTunes. Y'all have just constantly amazed me episode after episode after episode um, with your words of support, with your five-star ratings, and just all the encouragement to keep doing what we're doing. Like That means so much. Um, that's what I have said for all these episodes. This episode, I'm a little little sad, a little bitter that nobody rated, reviewed our show. <laughs> so, so, you know, you guys can't be perfect all the time. We, we really generally do have the best listeners in the world, but but you know, this is like judgmental uncle at Thanksgiving dinner saying like, yeah, you didn't, you didn't get the best grade on that report card <laughs> or you just, we needed at least one review to read on the air. We love reading them, but we have, we have nothing. I have nothing to bring. So this is just a, uh, an encouragement. If you haven't rated and reviewed us yet, please, please Too do. You can't just make one up. <laughs> yeah. I should. That that would have been great. I bet there are podcasts out there who just make up their reviews. <laughs> and nobody like thinks to cross check. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who's going to who, do Who has time for that? Yeah. Who's going to do that? They're listening to the podcast. They're not on their computer or they're not like mm-hmm. at a place where they can Google stuff. So I would also assume that people are probably fasting from podcasts. And so mm. they're not going to write a review if they're, if they've given that up for Lent. So they're not fasting from writing reviews. <laughs> <laughs> just unless they fasted yeah. from all technology which yeah. props oh, to you if you're able hardcore. to do that yeah. and if you're able to hear this that means you're super <laughs> spiritual <laughs> yeah yeah but uh in any case thanks to all of our raiders and reviewers y'all are 99 percent of the time pretty great master raiders <laughs> master raiders yes hmm. perfect well as i said at the start y'all we are talking about intimacy in this episode and have to give a huge shout out to our sponsor for going out of their way to sponsor this episode okay i have to say so had to put the kibosh on our first sponsor because first lingerie reached out and wanted to sponsor Mm, this episode and i was like no 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 no. we are not about that we're gonna take you money from big lingerie (laughs) (laughs) no big lingerie um and so then woodworking glue came along and they sponsored this episode so we're sponsored today by woodworking glue which i guess is intimate if you're wood (laughs) so (laughs) thank you woodworking glue uh and lingerie maybe i don't know there's probably another podcast out there that'll take you, but this, we, we have standards. For a price, we'll do a lingerie episode. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, maybe there's a, a, a number out there. We'll get back to me, lingerie, in <laughs> the, the next episode. So yeah, you guys, we're talking about intimacy. Yay. Yay. <laughs> Woo. Um, I love intimacy. Yeah. I Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I mentioned at the start, this is the most anxious i've been and i'm not terrified but i'm not feeling like super great either um i'm sure that absolutely coincides with my current emotional state which isn't the best in the world right now 
um, as I'm processing a lot of different relationships and dynamics and pondering three decades worth of relationships that have come and gone and experiences and dabblings with intimacy that have all come and gone. And it's just a very weighty subject for me. So I don't know where this conversation is going to go. I kind of am like, I'm definitely trepidatious. I'm kind of just like, well, I've got my brothers and I love them and I trust them. And I think, I think this is an opportunity for a really great deep dive and a really great mm -hmm. conversation. Cause I'm curious to hear y'all's experiences and perspectives on intimacy that may mirror my own and may be very different from my own. I don't know. It'll be interesting to hear just like what we all have to say about this topic. Any like quick hits just to like, before we dive in, like what are y'all's thoughts about intimacy as we go into this particular episode? Are you just like, fine? Am I the only one that's being dramatic about this? No, I feel like for me, intimacy is so fickle. Like mm. it's only certain people and sometimes only certain times that I want that intimacy. But when I do, like I really want it. It feels like the most important thing in the world. Mm. Yeah, I think I would I would echo a lot of that of intimacy is something that's incredibly important to me and I'm super passionate about it. But at the same time, as as you said, it's a it's a heavy and hard topic because because intimacy is so connected and so close to our hearts that some of the most painful things that we've probably been through are in some way connected with intimacy. So it can be a tough thing to talk about because while it can bring this incredible uh, uh, joy and connection, it also brings up a lot of heartache and a lot of really difficult stuff. And to be clear, as if it wasn't obvious, maybe there's some random Joe who randomly clicked onto this podcast and they have no idea who we are and what we're talking about. Um, so like, yeah, we're coming at this as three men who have a particular conviction about sexuality and about following Jesus and our perspective. I mean, it'd be interesting to talk to straight people about same sex intimacy as well, because we're coming at it from three single dudes um, who aren't married and mm -hmm. may or may not get married in the future. Who knows what time will bring, but um, that's our, our like sub niche, like perspective within Christianity as we're talking about intimacy, because we do have married guys in our community and they're married to women and they experience sexual intimacy on some level um, as well. And that's the other, that's the thing about intimacy is that it's so broad. There's sexual intimacy. There's just physical intimacy, mm -hmm. cuddle party, a la cuddle, cuddle parties. Mm -hmm. um, and there's emotional intimacy. There's spiritual intimacy. There's, I feel like there's even like a mental intimacy too. Ooh. Like if you're just on a, the, the same like intellectual wave wavelength. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Intimacy can take varying forms. And so I'm curious to like, yeah, weave this conversation and just kind of go where the, the intimate trail leads <laughs> and we'll all do it together. And so we'll all be safe <laughs> as we do it. Um, but yeah, what you guys were saying about intimacy, it like I put this out there to the yobbers cause I want to know how do you guys experience intimacy or do you experience intimacy? And, um, I really love how one of our beloved yabbers put it because it's so it hits home for me on every single level. He said, intimacy is like a fire too much of it. And everything is consumed a good amount. And your heart is warmed too little and you grow cold. And I, that like, when I saw him type that I was convicted because I feel all three of those scenarios in my life. I've mm. felt times of just like, absolute withdrawal and isolation and desperate for connection, certainly desperate for intimacy, but desperate for any kind of connection. 
And on the flip side, I have been overcome with just like a ravenous pursuit of intimacy and it's overtaken my life. It's um, corrupted relationships and it's corrupted my relationship with God. And, and then I, you know, I've been blessed to find that sweet spot as well to find just the right amount of, of intimacy with, with other brothers, um, many of them in this community. So, um, yeah, so I really appreciated that metaphor of a fire. That's a very tight metaphor and I really appreciate that. I think there's part of it that sort of like my heart rebels against, which is the, the idea that like that consumptive unhealthy place comes from too much intimacy. Um, like that might be true. I don't know. I'm still kind of processing it, Mm. but, um, but I guess the way I've thought about it in the past is not so much that like, that's a symptom of too much intimacy, but like, uh, misplaced desires or the wrong Mm. kind of pursuit. Yeah. Yeah. You could play with the verbiage for sure. Um, but the general concept, yeah, I, I've definitely jive with Maybe you guys are, maybe at home, you're wondering what intimacy is. And so I went to the dictionary to look it up oh, and I was, goodness. and I was very underwhelmed. I got to say, you know how sometimes you'll <laughs> like look up a word and be like, oh my gosh, that's what that means. It's like, so that's the perfect word and the perfect description. Um, lower your expectations, everybody, for the definition <laughs> of intimacy. I don't know. It's just very boring and simple. So Sex. when I looked it up, yeah, when I looked it up, no, <laughs> when I looked up intimacy, it just said this closely acquainted. Familiar, close, private, and personal. Hmm. Yeah. I was like, okay. Meh. It feels like it's deeper than that, but but whatever. Yeah. I guess on a structural basis, like, yes, it's those things. But it feels, and maybe it's just our perspective as being like super emotional men or something. I don't know. But it feels way more. Well, there is a usage of the word intimacy talking about like, oh, I have intimate knowledge of this subject matter you know, of Mm. this programming language or whatever. Um, And so the dictionary, of course, has to capture all that too. Um, Yeah, I did want to talk about like, how do we define intimacy at the beginning here? Because it is such a like... Mm -hmm. Yeah, how would you define it, Ryan? I don't know. Um, (laughs) It's this weird thing, like I can't really nail it down. It's like a feeling... Yeah, who who was it that said about pornography? Like... Don't ask me to define pornography, but I'll know it when I see it. Mm. Um, intimacy is kind of in that category. So intimacy, it's like pornography. I'll know it when I see it, yeah. <laughs> um, we'll quote Ryan with that yeah. later. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, I guess one definition that I've heard that was interesting was intimacy is uh, is being in this place in a relationship where you're you can say anything to the other person, like share anything on your heart with the other person with the confidence that you'll be accepted. That's good. Yeah. I think for me, from all the different times that I think about intimacy, it seems like it's all about being known. I feel like that's Mm. at the, at the heart of it. And I think it's being, it's when being known and, trust and love all get together and have a child when those things merge (laughs) i think what is birthed is intimacy yeah like that that known aspect is so huge too like not just known but seen and received yeah seen known received yeah one of our yabbers because we had all kinds of interesting definitions of intimacy um, and he talked about intimacy. He talked about some relationships. He typed a really long, epic, amazing response. 
Um, so just a snippet of it, he was talking about a one-sided relationship that maybe had had elements of intimacy on one side, but not so much his. Um, and so then he went on to say, what I consider to be true intimacy occurs when someone knows the depths of my flaws and I know theirs and we both stay. We both help each other. It's the times where I feel I can finally bring all my walls down. And I love that aspect of intimacy of like a two-way mirror of like seeing the other person and they see you and nobody's going anywhere and they're not put mm. off by it. And it doesn't mean it's not hard. It doesn't mean it's not challenging, but, but there's like a collaborative effort to continue journeying together. And um, like, that's another great picture of intimacy of like the, the fire metaphor. And then also just like a journey of walking together, despite whatever friction, whatever flaws, whatever things that could in many other circumstances, maybe be distractors. Like, but instead being something that actually binds you to somebody mm. all the more. Mm -hmm. I think also like one of the ingredients that you read in your definition, Tom, that I think, I think is actually key and I'd be open to hearing if you guys have other thoughts is that I think a part of what you read, I think you said the word secret or uh, private, I think in there, I think that there's a part of intimacy that like at its core, it's, it's unique to the two people that yeah. are ex experiencing intimacy. And I think that is, that's something that I think is a necessary component. And like, I, th I would say that when it comes from like, when you're, when we're thinking about intimacy in a, a biblical way, and we're talking about like our intimacy with uh, God, I think that one of the best pictures that I always think of is in Revelation where it talks about us receiving a stone with a name on it that only God knows. And that's like a, a name that is um, so, so something that is you unique to that connection. And I think it's like, it's, that's what it means to have, intimacy with with a person or with god is that it is something that is unique and is a uh, secret that isn't that isn't shared with everyone it's something that just you share with them that feels that feels key to me yeah that's a really really good point that intimacy is very private even if there's nothing to hide necessarily sure like it that's that's how we naturally do intimacy is, sure and that's like the challenge. <clears throat> Getting emotional. No, I'm not. Not yet. Um, I have had that thought about intimacy for a long time. Yeah, I've been pretty open with my story for the last six years now. And there was an initial thrill about that of being like, it kind of has this appearance of intimacy. Like, oh man, like I'm so vulnerable. I guess that's a good conversation we can start diving into is the differences like between or the nuances between vulnerability and intimacy and what what crossover mm -hmm. overlap there is because it was absolutely very vulnerable of me to to talk about my sexuality and talk about my struggles with masculinity for an open audience to whoever googled me or whoever came across my website or came across whatever um there was an initial thrill in that because my life had been so secretive and so isolated for so long um 
and I will never say as close as I've come to the edge sometimes I'll never say that I regret that because I think the benefits and the blessings and the opportunities for interaction with people all over the world have been you know far far outweigh whatever inconveniences or sacrifices I've had to make uh, but that being said I've had to make sacrifices because I feel like for the most part over the last six years my life a lot of this like core part of my life and heart that I would reserve for only the like super special people. You know, I had these really epic conversations with family and with friends about my sexuality and things that I had never told anybody, you know, or the numbers of people I could count on one hand or two hands. And all of a sudden that's gone now. Now it's like, that's common knowledge. You can Google it. Everyone's on Facebook. I post things on Twitter all the time about blogs and things. And it's like, it's pretty obvious unless somebody is just absolutely off the grid and they don't own a computer or a phone. Like, um, which I've yet to, to meet said friend, but, uh, for the most part, yeah, people that I interact with, they know on some degree, they may not know everything, of course, but they at least have more of an awareness than people from a decade ago, friends and loved ones from a decade ago had. And I feel like it's been sort of like a loss of intimacy. Like I can still experience intimacy in other ways, but from a conversational standpoint, opening up my heart to people in that first wave, that first round, like that part is pretty much gone forever and and that can be difficult sometimes because that was mm. always such a great I used to measure my intimate relationships in that way like okay who knows my story and who doesn't because I can very easily categorize people and stack them by order of like intimate relationships like if you know my story if, if we reached a point where I felt comfortable enough or prompted enough to tell you then that says a lot and oftentimes that could be reciprocated and in mm. them sharing something vulnerable about them. And, um, and yeah, it's like been trickier being out publicly. It's, it's a trickier dynamic now. Well, I don't want to come in with whatever the opposite of raining on your parade is, but, um, but <laughs> I think that there's, there's some, I mean, your heart has infinite depths that there are so many more things about you that you do now like still reserve for only the closest, most special people yeah. to you. And there are even things that, um, that you don't share or haven't shared yet. And, um, yeah. So I would just encourage yeah. you in that, that you're that's not a good like, point. you're not, you know, I never think, Oh, I know all there is to know about Tom. <laughs> no, Tom, Tom is an endless well. And that's something that I've really, it's yeah, it's giving me this perspective because it used to be everything when this was so new to me talking about sexuality and analyzing my own heart. Like I thought I was, I thought I was saying everything. Like I thought, okay, mm -hmm. I'm attracted to the same sex and I've always had issues feeling like one of the other men or the other boys. And I thought I like knocked out 95% of my life essentially with those two confessions and admissions. But yeah, absolutely. Over the last several years learning all the other aspects of my struggle and life and my hopes and yearnings and, and, and yeah, just experiences. Like there have absolutely been times where I've thought about blogging about something or putting something out there. And then there are other times where I'm like, you know what, that's kind of nice to just keep to myself or keep to share it with one other person or two other people or whatever. And, um, and yeah, it's, it's sometimes it's hard. It's, it's hard to figure out as a writer, like, what do I share? Cause I think this would be a great story to share. Um, and sometimes I do, and sometimes I feel led, and sometimes I don't. And it's kind of a tricky mm -hmm. thing to navigate. But but you're right, yeah, there are absolutely parts of me that um, that aren't public knowledge. And it's weird to do a podcast where I'm so open and vulnerable all the time. But yeah, there's so much that everybody listening doesn't know about me. There's a lot that you do, but there's also a lot that you don't. Mm -hmm. And I think it's good that way. 
I think for me, like the, the, my sexuality, my sexual orientation is such a big and pervasive part of my life that if I didn't tell, like if, if that was unknown by too many people, then I'm just too unknown. Like I can't function in the world. I can't feel like I'm seen for who I am. And, um, and so I think like, that's, that's something that like, yeah, maybe I've, I've exposed this very personal part of my story and personal part of my life. But if I didn't, I think I'd be in a worse place, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's, and, and you said like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't go back on that decision and neither would I. Um, but that's, I guess that's the other thing I think about in terms of like coming out. Yeah. Jacob, of the three of us, you're probably the newest in this wonderful journey of just being more open, ready with your story. Um, where do you land on this as you like put yourself out there more and more? Do you feel like you're losing intimacy or do you feel like, I don't know, what are, what's your perspective? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think so. It hasn't, it hasn't been a concern that I've had yet, but I'm also, I mean, while it's true that like you could just search my name on the internet and learn a lot of really vulnerable things about me, um, I still don't feel like I'm quite as public as probably either of you and uh, definitely you, Tom. And so I think there does still kind of feel a connection between my most intimate connections and people who do know my entire story, even though that that audience has gotten much, much bigger over the past probably four or five years. Um, and kind of like thinking about the connections between intimacy and vulnerability, I think it's possible to be vulnerable and not experience intimacy, but I don't think it's possible mm -hmm. to experience intimacy and not be vulnerable. Um, when I, before I like kind of came up publicly, but also once I got comfortable with talking about my story, it was almost like uh, cheating in intimacy and vulnerability. Like it was, like I could kind of drop that bomb and then expect like vulnerability in return and <laughs> kind of like, you know, it's like a cheat code for relationships if I wanted, if I wanted them to get <laughs> deeper. Um, and I don't know, part of coming out publicly was like giving that up, which was good and realizing, okay, like it's, you know, this doesn't, this is bringing me more, like more intimacy I can use it to bring more intimacy into my life, but it also doesn't cost me anything. And like, it, it no longer costed me mm. anything. And I don't know, something about that didn't feel right. So, yeah. Yeah. And we did, so it's been several episodes now. We did an episode on coming out publicly, which I think you were on, right? Yeah. I think you were participating mm -hmm. in that. So if y'all want to hear us talk more about that, go back in time and check the archives. Cause I don't want to harp on this particular topic too much, but, but it is a good segue, I guess, as we now dive take the submarine dive into the waters of intimacy we've kind of talked about it in this like vague sense like defining it and and the whole concept of of sharing our story publicly but then we yeah we we talk about individual relationships and we talk about those individual intimacies and the secrets and the sacredness of of those bonds and relationships and i kind of wanted to start sifting through all that with mm -hmm. you guys does anyone have an intimate story they'd like to share <laughs> Um, 
and I don't know, like, yeah, I'm curious where this conversation go, because like I said at the start, there's all these different avenues for intimacy. There's, there's certainly sexual intimacy, but then there's physical and emotional and mental, even, Mm -hmm. um, spiritual intimacy. Like, I don't know. I'm, I want to hear intimate stories and hopefully someone's boldness will inspire (laughs) the rest of us to be bold. Well, I have a pretty simple one. Um, a few months ago, um, I was talking with my close friend, Adam, shout out to Adam, if you're listening. Um, and, uh, he lives, he lives pretty close by. We go to the same church. I see him pretty regularly. Um, and this was after we, the three of us recorded that episode about body image. And, Mm. um, and I, I said a few things that I was torn about, like whether or not to ask Tom to edit out. (laughs) And, um, and so I asked, I wanted to ask Adam what he thought about that. And so that got us started just talking about body image. And that's been like a very sensitive topic for me that I just never, you know, like kind of wish I could talk about with people, but never like actually wanted to, or never like actually created the space to talk about with people, especially, um, especially people outside of like our little yob circle, you know? Um, and my, and I guess my guy friends really here in Raleigh. Um, and so like, we just got started talking about, um, kind of like that, that topic of body image and what, what he feels insecure about, about his body and what I felt insecure about and, um, found a lot of empathy there. We were kind of like sitting, uh, around this little like campfire in his backyard and his wife was putting his toddler to bed. So it was just the two of us. And, um, yeah, it was a very mm-hmm. sweet, tender, intimate moment. That I'm really thankful for. So that's like an example of intimacy that's conversational. Mm-hmm. What categories would you put that in? Like emotional? I would say a little mental, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I would say it was more emotional than mental. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a. I mean, I guess I don't want to call it physical intimacy because there wasn't really any touch involved, but there was sort of a atmospheric intimacy. I don't know if that's Ooh, a let's good make a category. New category. <laughs> like just wow. like it was, it's that um, feeling. It's like that yeah. aura, like this is an intimate moment. And I yeah. don't know what, if it's yeah. emotional, if it's mental, if it's spiritual, like it's uh-huh. probably a combination of a lot of yeah. things, but it's that aura. Yeah. I guess I connected it with the physical setting of like around the campfire and just yeah. the two of us where we, I felt that freedom to bring up the topic I feel like fires are so good mm-hmm. for intimacy. <laughs> yeah. Like, let's just create a fire and then like, it's kind of like the cheat code for intimacy. Yeah. We should, <laughs> we should podcast around a fire one day. <gasps> we should. Oh, please. The crackles and snaps. Oh mm-hmm. man. I yeah. love that. Please. Can we? That'll be an intimate, intimate podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. We had lots of Yarbers comment on conversational intimacy. That was a, a running theme from several people that they, that's the way that they experience intimacy in their lives is through conversations and sometimes sometimes beer is involved and sometimes coffee is involved um or sometimes it's just like yeah sitting on a couch and talking and and that's like a really powerful form of connection with somebody okay so so you guys both know how um important hospitality is to me and how i feel like that's an area that i've been called to and that I've been uh, gifted in and something that I'm very passionate about. So like home and the idea of home in general is a really big thing. And I've 
realized recently of like my, so often my most intimate friendships that I have here are people who just, who both, it feels like home when they're here, but also they just as like simple as things of like, they know where everything is. And like, they start to wash and put away things after we have a meal. And just those, those little things of, um, like someone who knows your, your home and your space and your life to the point that even just when they're over visiting, it feels like they're doing life with you. So there's this, um, this cool connection for me of that when, um, that just has such an intimate feel because people start feeling like they're a part of your family then. And I think that for, um, for those of us here and those, um, those, uh, listening who have been raised in, in families where real intimacy happens, that's such a beautiful thing to also get to experience that with other friends too. Yeah. Everyday intimacies. That was a phrase that came up in previous living situations, like something as simple as cooking a meal together, doing dishes together, having music going, um, having a show to watch at the end of a meal, you know, just like nothing really, when you think about intimacy, like maybe people, people's minds go to like these really intricate, you know, involved scenarios, but like something as simple as, yeah, those, any of those tasks, chores, cleaning, just Mm -hmm. having a spring cleaning day, you know, um, Ryan, even you and I, like we went and worked out today Mm -hmm. and like, I guess like that was intimate. Yeah. We we went to Costco together. (laughs) Definitely a small everyday intimacy. (laughs) That was an everyday intimacy Uh waiting in line for 20 minutes because there's so many people (laughs) at Costco. Um, yeah. Intimacy doesn't have to be, I mean, it certainly can be, but it doesn't have to be like that deep intricate thing. Like it can be just a simple sharing, sharing these moments together, just doing a common task, you know, and that can be, that can be intimate. And it's mm. super meaningful in the long run. Yeah. I was about to make the amazing observation that, oh, okay, well, I guess intimacy doesn't always have to be emotionally charged, but we've already kind of clearly defined, okay, there's emotional intimacy and then there's other kinds of intimacy. So that's just another way of saying the same thing, mm. like what I was about to say. So there you yeah. go. <laughs> what up, Yabalog? Wah, wah, wah. That's cool that you bring up hospitality, though, because, Jacob, I don't know if you saw this comment, but one of our yabbers also kind of said the same thing. He said, I'm coming to see voca- a vocation to hospitality as one of the chief ways I experience intimacy. I've been blessed by God in so many ways, and making those resources available to meet the needs of others has opened up spaces of intimacy that I haven't realized before. Do you resonate with that? Absolutely, I do. All the resonation. What does it feel like to care about people? <laughs> What is that as our two, our, our two expert? What is, what is it like to just love people so deeply? What is it like? It feels like your heart is a glowing ember that is radiating out of your chest. Whoa. There's been a lot of fire metaphor and imagery in this episode. A lot of warmth. That is on. beautiful. Also slightly terrifying. You might want to get that checked out. <laughs> yeah. Embers in your chest. I'll work on that. So I read a quote once that said, uh, you can live without sex, but you can't live without intimacy. What's y'all's take Thank on goodness. that? Thank <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah, I have not had sex. I, I mean, we can go there. I've, I've talked about this. I'm Like I said, I'm an open book. Nothing, mm-hmm. I mean, not nothing, but a lot of things aren't like, it's whatever. 
Um, yeah, like I've never wanted to have sex. It's always, and this is something that has come up in counseling because I'm doing counseling. This came up a few sessions ago as I was talking about my sexuality and trying to explain it a little bit more to this straight man sitting across from me. Um, and I just like said it so matter of fact, like, yeah, I've never wanted to have sex. And then I, I just like glossed over that, you know, I was like, okay, next, what's the next thing? Mm-hmm. And he was like, no, wait, let's, let's talk about that. Like, so what does that mean? Like you've never mm-hmm. sex with a man, sex with a woman. I'm like, yeah, across the board. I have never wanted to have sex with another human being. Like, does that make me asexual? Am I on some kind of asexual spectrum? I mentioned earlier that I'm on a masturbation cleanse fast. So clearly I, I have like a sex drive of some sort that, um, that has been there for years and years and years, but never have I wanted to translate that to another human being. And it's really kickstarted, I would say the last several weeks, ever since that session, it's like really made me ponder like, like what am I and what, you know, am I afraid of sex or am I afraid of intimacy? And I Mm. think absolutely, I don't know to what degree, I mean, I'm still figuring this out and I'm still processing it and I'm processing it right now with you guys, but, um, I'm absolutely terrified of intimacy because I have felt the rug pulled out from under me so many times now where it's like I share my heart with somebody and then they share it back and maybe it like works for a little while and then something happens, whether it's my fault or their fault or it's just like, it's just the way the fates are. Like time has changed and we have now changed and now we're on different trajectories and different paths and now we don't share intimacy anymore. And it's like a devastating thing when you give your heart to somebody and, and you've had this like deep, meaningful moment, especially someone like me, I tend to just like idolize and, and like store up those moments in a vault somewhere. Like, man, look at my trophy case of intimate moments and intimate Mm. friendships. And Mm. then when it doesn't last or it gets pulled up from under me, then it's like someone took a bat to the, to the case and now it's gone and, and such a, a brutal thing. And it makes it hard. I think every time that happens, it makes it hard to, open myself up and, and to trust that, you know, this person, like Ryan, you and I were talking about this last night, like if intimacy and if love were guaranteed and if we could just like all be programmed to love each other forever and like just always be okay with everybody all the time, you know, it would make things logistically easier, but then there's an element of just like robotic, like literal roboticness and lifelessness to that, like the element of love and the element of intimacy is the risk and is the, the hold your breath moment that, Oh my gosh, this person could either reject me right now in this moment or Mm -hmm. months, years down the road, days down the road. Um, and there's no guarantee to that. And that's, that's something that I think just increasingly, I'm increasingly conscious of that aspect of intimacy and relationships in general. And that's, I think there's something to that, that my aversion to sex is an aversion to intimacy on some level. Mm. Um, so I'm glad I can live without sex because I am not in any hurry to start having it. But mm-hmm. man, um, yeah, and I know we we need intimacy on some level, but it's what what is that level? I don't know what the mm-hmm. the bar mm-hmm. is anymore. Yeah, yeah. So to to kind of speak to the opposite of of that, well, not the opposite, but just I like <laughs> give me the non crazy approach. Yes. Yeah. No, no. This is this isn't this is also crazy. Just a different kind of crazy. My desire for sex is a desire for intimacy and because I want intimacy so badly and just knowing that with with within a marriage there is a kind of intimacy there that is unlike 
any other. And so even just knowing that there is a kind of intimacy that most likely I will never experience is really hard. And it's much less about the sex as the actual physical act, which sure, like I'm sure that's really great and (laughs) lots of good things can from what I've heard when, (laughs) when done correctly, it's really great, but it is the, the byproduct of intimacy. Well, actually that's not really true. It's both like in it and comes out of it. Mm. That is the piece that feels really hard to say no to. Cause there's a kind of, there's a kind of unity. There's a kind of like knowing someone in such a vulnerable, like you're literally naked. Like you, you're knowing a person in their entirety as a whole person, as it should be creates a kind of, intimacy that's not found anywhere else and yeah that's like that's really hard to think about not having that Mm. with someone that that i want to be that close to yeah yeah i definitely empathize with that where what i when i want sex it's less about the sex and more about the intimacy and um and, you know, what I kind of the definitive proof I'd point to with that is when I when I want that sex, when I, you, you know, and, and especially clear when I fantasize about it is that um, it's never imagining sex with a one night stand stranger who, you know, I'm just going to bang this dude and never see him again. Like the fantasy is always predicated upon there's this relationship there. There's this tenderness there. And it's going to keep going. And, um, and, you know, that could, um, in in my imagination, either be like, uh, you know, someone I know or just a hypothetical, like, person um, without a face, really. But, um, but yeah, I, I would say, like, you know, echoing what you guys say, I agree with that quote that, like, I don't think we need sex. Um, but yeah, we do, we do need intimacy. I think that's how God designed us is to have that, have connection and to be known. Uh, and like, like Tom said, like, it's hard to know like what level, what level we really need that, like what level will we die without it? Um, I think need is such a surprisingly complicated, um, thing but but in general, yeah, I'd agree with that quote. Hmm. We took a breath at the same time. Sorry, I mean just to <laughs> yeah, I sorry, I just I realized I didn't actually answer your first question about that quote, which I yes, I do. I don't think that um, we need sex to live or to to flourish or to be. Good clarification, human. good qualification. Yeah, because yeah, it's not just about surviving, it's about thriving. It's about, yep. Yeah, so so I think that I think that not having intimacy while it won't immediately kill us, I think that without it, we will not flourish. Mm. Just had this random question. This could be a fun deep dive. What is like y'all's first memory of intimacy? And I guess... Maybe I should clarify with like a friend because like, I don't know, you could have intimate Mm. moments with your family, but as far as another friend and I'll go so you guys can start 
sweating and thinking about what you're going to share. Um, I remember my first experience of intimacy with another friend and it came through this blogging network. It came through our old community before there was your other brothers, you know, a decade ago. And it's crazy. Like looking back on that. Cause yeah, I was, you know, 21 years old, just about to finish college, you know, had a couple high school friends and uh, a couple college friends and, and I don't want to paint them as shallow cause they weren't, there were some really deep friendships, mostly with women. Um, and it's not to say you can't be, have an intimate <laughs> friendship with a woman. That's not what I'm saying, but, but there is such a difference, I guess, such a, a dramatic difference of when I experienced intimacy with a male friend versus those intimacies that I experienced with female friends. Um, from high school and college, it was just, yeah, on a completely different level. And, and just connecting with this particular person, you know, from the internet, from, from the blogosphere, this person that I've never met. And, and then eventually we meet in person and eventually we like are Skyping and texting and, and there's just like such a thrill. There's like a zest for life that I had never experienced before. Up until that point, it's just had always been, you know, Tom is just, a loner, doesn't have many friends, has no idea what he wants to do with his life. Um, and it just felt very bare bones. And all of a sudden you introduce this like person that I can be super honest and vulnerable with. And, and the times that we would get to hang out, which weren't that often, but the times we got to hang out, we would just like, you know, be in literal tears when it was time to say goodbye and it was time to part ways. And, um, and it was this gradual, like pushing of an envelope that's, that has a negative connotation, but it was in some ways like learning how to do this. Like I have never experienced connection with another human being the way that I'm connecting with this person right now. And like, what is okay? Like this is another human, another man who is also attracted to the same sex, who also follows Jesus, who also has the same conviction on sexuality. And like, how do we, how do we proceed with caution, but also proceed and not just like stay still and not just you know, be content for lack of a better term. Like it was, it was interesting just to, to just like to experience, to experiment and to figure out like, okay, what is physical intimacy and what is emotional intimacy? Like, is it appropriate for you to talk about the things that you struggle with and the things that I struggle with, knowing that there's going to be some sort of a triggering element. Like when you're talking about what you're struggling with, then maybe that triggers something that I struggle with or want to experience with you. Or, mm. um, so there was a lot of like, learning what to say and what not to say um as far as as far as the vulnerability and conversation as far as accountability goes um and then physical intimacy like i was always like on cloud nine whenever we could hug and when there was like a moment of hugging like that was just like i've never hugged another friend before it's not so sad but like <laughs> i never experienced that like really until i was 21 years old another male friend and mm -hmm. um and to experience that was so intoxicating in a way it's like I craved more of it and I wanted more of it and and so then hugging leads to hand-holding and hand-holding leads to sitting on a couch and sitting on a couch you know and it's like what's okay and what's not okay and what can be it's that line I guess I think Ryan you mentioned it earlier of something that can be secret but not shameful and nothing like nothing to be ashamed of nothing to like feel was sinful or anything but to also have like as a special you know secret exchange of a mm -hmm. moment between another human being and 
and that, yeah, that relationship had its ups and downs and, and it was, yeah, always, always learning and, and backtracking sometimes and reversing course and altering course and having conversations about it and talking about it and not like sweeping it under the rug. Like there were a lot of, uh, good learning moments from that particular friendship that I think set up a lot of future relationships in pretty well ways. But, um, but I just remember when I first experienced it, yeah, it was just so new and simultaneously, yeah, intoxicating and yet terrifying. Cause it was just like, Oh my gosh, one wrong step. And my entire life is over and it feels so dramatic saying that now, but, uh, but yeah, that was my first foray. I love how you say you talk about how intoxicating it was because that's mm. something that kind of that's so true. It, intimacy can be so intoxicating. And gosh, I wonder why that is. <laughs> it's that sizzle feeling. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how to describe it other than just like it kind of just like the rest of the world melts away and it's just like, Oh my gosh, this moment is happening and I've never experienced it or I have. And now I'm experiencing it again and I want to keep experiencing it. And I don't want it to stop. And, and that's where I've had a hard time because yeah, then where I've had to find some kind of balance over the years is still anticipating those moments and still craving them and still needing them as a human being and as a relational human being in this world. But but also not idolizing it and obsessing over it to the point that it consumes me. Like that's Mm -hmm. really hard as an emotional person. Um, and especially as an emotional person with wounds, like I've had to find that line between anticipating those moments, but also not despairing over them as like, you know, we're all doomed. We're all going to just break up eventually and we're all, nothing's going to last. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) let's just wear sackcloth and mourn the (laughs) the rest of our days. Yeah. One of the pieces that you you mentioned that I've wrestled with a lot, and this like makes sense as a really big question of why is it that so often those intimate moments feel on an entirely different level with other guys than with women? Like, why is there like why is there this like charge and this like thrill that's there? that's not there with women. And that like that, that irks me, which I mean, I think obviously there's, there are other bigger questions of like, if I could answer why I'm attracted to other guys in the first place, then I could probably have an answer for this too. But even so I don't like, I don't like that. I don't know why that's the case. And I don't like do for guys who, are straight is it the exact same experience just reversed or is there sort of a spectrum that people fall on when it comes to like the thrills of intimacy when they're experienced with one gender over another that was something i wanted to talk about is this phenomenon of like gendered intimacy where we experience it differently like we experienced it differently with men than women um you know, you, you've both mentioned that and that's my experience too. Um, yeah, like I, it, it has, like you said, bothered me before. Like it, it's hard to explain when I'm always beating the drum of not all intimacy is sexual, you know? Um, yeah, men. Yeah. That's the kink in the slinky, isn't it? Um, <laughs> 
the kink and the slinky. Wow, that is a <laughs> great the, line. The kinky slinky. Uh, yeah, I guess I guess the thing I'd say about that is that um I think because that that gender orientation in my experience of intimacy correlates to my sexual orientation like that's just a correlation it's not a causation and we can't we we shouldn't make that you know logical jump from i'm sexually attracted to men because i want intimacy them or vice versa that those two things are correlated and kind of that's that's all i can say about it as far as you know i'm concerned is that they're correlated um, and, and I do wonder if that kind of points to just a deeper, there's a deeper reality in my soul or in my heart that gives rise to both of those things. Um, and I think that's another reason why I, one thing I find disappointing about the language of same sex attraction versus gay um, cause that's a can of worms that would be great to open right now. Um, <laughs> we did a labels podcast, listen yeah. to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that, that, that idea of same sex attraction, um, you know, I, the way people use it really seems like it's just reductive down to sexual, sexual attractions mm-hmm. and, um, strictly speaking, you know, I don't think it necessarily has to be, but that's how people use it. And, um, yeah, I want there to be room in the conversation for recognizing my the gendered nature of my desire for intimacy as something independent, though correlated to, independent from the correlated to my sexual orientation. Because I think it's way more complicated than... Uh, than my desire for intimacy is necessarily and reductively sexual, mm-hmm. if that makes sure. sense. Yeah, I mean, what you were saying about same-sex attraction, we've talked about this. We had an attraction podcast too. Like, we are attracted to our friends and we can have male friends and we can have female friends. If you're a straight man and you like to hang out with other straight men, you're attracted to something about them. You know, it might sound weird to say that you're attracted to your straight friends, but you're attracted to, you know, playing basketball together or going out for drinks together or... What have you? What do straight people do? I don't know. Those are just some examples that I theorize about. Nope. That's um, it. It would be interesting though to like, yeah, hear, like to have a straight person define like on this, on this show, maybe someday we will, we'll have like that perspective mm-hmm. of like, like how do you experience same sex intimacy? Because of course you experience yearnings for intimacy for the other sex. If you're a heterosexual person and that that's sexual intimacy, romantic intimacy. Um, but what is your level? Like, what does intimacy look like for you as as a man, as a straight man. Um, That'd I'd be, be curious so to hear yeah. those answers yeah. amongst, and we've had straight people on the show. It'd be mm-hmm. cool to come for them to come back. We should dial in pastor Matt. Pastor Matt. <laughs> we bring in my brother. Um, there's, yeah, there's a, there's a length. There's a list of people that we could talk about that someday. But and on that topic sure. to your question, Jacob, about, you know, do straight people experience the same phenomenon, but reversed? Like I, I kind of don't think so. Like, it would be awesome to have a straight person to, you know, give a definitive, uh, conclusion on, but like we'd have that anyway. But, um, (laughs) 
but yeah, like I think we have as men, uh, you know, just speaking in terms of gender, I think we have, um, we, we do experience intimacy differently with men than with women. And so, and then as same sex attracted men, as gay men, we experience intimacy with men differently on because of that too. And so we live in kind of like the intersection of that, like the kind of double layer, like the inside of that Venn diagram. And so we're going to experience that intimacy with men differently than straight men experience intimacy with women. Sure. I think that like the, all of that is a very, I mean, to think about the correlation between uh, uh, sexual attraction and a gender focused intimacy level. You just said that in a much better way than I did. Um, (laughs) Like that is, I think that, that you're onto something real there that is, that's good, but also really nuanced. And so the idea, the thought of like, trying to explain that to some to someone else and like almost feel like I have to defend the fact that I experience intimacy with other men in a different way feels exhausting and just like mm-hmm. like I like that the entire burden for me to like convince the world and even though that's really <laughs> dramatic but that's how I, I think of it of like I have to like convince everyone that like me feeling a very like unique kind of warmth to my heart when I'm hugging a guy that I love deeply, it just feels exhausting. I'm like, ah, yeah, (laughs) you look exhausted. I am (laughs) just thinking about it. Yeah. Because I think that like, I think it's, it is, it's much easier for me to think about like, Oh yeah. So my, like the fact that I am, that I desire sexual intimacy with other men is the result, I believe, of living in a world that has sin, where things are bent in ways that they were not designed originally to to be. But it's much harder to think about or to then wonder, like, is that those same feelings of wanting intimacy with other guys that feels different is that the result of living in a fallen world like post in like new, new heavens and new earth? What will those feelings of intimacy with either gender? What's that going to feel like? Oh, they'll still exist. Fight me on this. (laughs) (laughs) At me if you dare. (laughs) There's some people out there like, no, we're not going to have genitals anymore. We're not going to feel anything for anyone. It's just going to be all Jesus, all all Jesus, all the time. And that's it. No, I think, yeah, it seems it would be, I think it would be kind of a letdown if all of a sudden all of those warm fuzzies for people would go away in the next life. Like that doesn't sound right to me. Not that I'm judging scripture or reality by my feelings, but I don't know. There's something about it that doesn't sit with me. Um, yeah, but as we've dovetailed, as we've like rabbit trailed on this conversation, I still want to hear about y'all's first experiences of intimacy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that. And then we can start to wrap this up, I think, for tonight. Yeah, I, I came up with an answer. <laughs> Let's hear it. And this can be really positive. This can be really negative. It can be both. Yeah, this is going to be positive. Okay. Um, and this isn't, I could 
I'm having a hard, it's, it's not very early in my life. Um, but it is, I guess the first clear memory of a moment of intimacy that kind of sticks out in my memory, uh, that I can share. And in high school, well, middle school and high school is part of the youth group in my church growing up. And one thing I've come to appreciate is how, uh, how uncommonly good my youth group experience was. Like there well, are some no way. <laughs> like I think statistically everyone has. <laughs> you a are in a special class. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. It's it was niche, great. They were niche group there. Uh huh. It was it was wonderful. It was great, and um, the leadership. I think they had a lot to do with that. Um, and yeah, I really learned the joys of fellowship and community and um, having brothers and sisters in Christ walking alongside of you. Um, they did such a good job of teaching us um, how to live out the gospel like with each other. And, um, and I remember, and so we had, uh, you had, you went to Bible study with all of the boys or girls of your grade. Um, and so like, you know, I started going to the sixth grade Bible study when I got into middle school. And then I stayed with that same, mostly that same group of people all through high school. Um, and then, you know, by the time 12th grade rolled around, there were like two or three people who were still, you know, the same faces, but, but in general, like you stayed with the same group of people like all through middle school and high school and so that gave us a chance to really um start to be comfortable with each other and start to build kind of longer term friendships or you know what what felt like long term at the time um you know I don't really keep up with any of them these days um and and also at the time like I was I wasn't even I hadn't even come to terms with my own with uh, with my own sexuality. And so I couldn't like, I wasn't really in a place of voicing that to other people at the time. So I never shared that with them. But, um, but I, I do look back on that time as like when I first started to figure out that, um, that I loved intimacy with other men and, and where I think like those other guys started to figure out that, okay, intimacy with other men is good. Even if they didn't experience it the same way I did, if they, that even if they didn't desire it, yearn for it the same way I did. Um, and I do remember when, um, we were on a, uh, we were on a mission trip, I think in Washington, DC. And, um, and this guy, Rich in my Bible city, um, walked up to me and hugged me really close, really tight. Um, and told me that he loved me. And that was sort of like out of out of nowhere, like not, not in the sense of like, I thought Rich didn't like me. Like there was, there was a connection there. Like there was, there was that friendship there of like, we've known each other for a long time. I actually first knew Rich in fourth grade. Um, and so this is probably 10th or 11th grade at this point. Um, and we hadn't been like close friends that whole time, but, but it still was like kind of a surprise. And also, um, and also like he sort of, wrapped his hand around the back of my head and like held the back of my neck and head, like almost like held against his shoulder sort of, um, which I don't know a better way to describe it, but I feel like you see that move in like movies sometimes, but mm -hmm. never, mm -hmm. never really in real life. And, um, cause I've tried it, I've tried it, uh, subsequently and it's kind of awkward. 
Um, but it didn't feel awkward <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> I think it's a proportion thing. Like it's who's, it, yeah. who's taller than the other he, person. He is or, taller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's absolutely a That's factor. probably my problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like reaching and the yeah. right arm length. I mean, yeah. maybe that was just a really special puzzle piece. Yeah. yeah, but it was like, yeah, it was, um, I think it like the sudden realization of like, oh, he's going off script. Like this is not, <laughs> this is not a ritual hug. Uh-huh. This is like, like a normal hug couldn't contain what he felt about me. And so like there, there, this was a non-standard hug. And mm-hmm. um, yeah. And that was this moment I look back to of like feeling suddenly very, uh, very loved and very close to someone. And, and I guess intimate, like that was physical intimacy, right? Like I don't know sure. that that was a moment of powerful, it was emotional, but I don't know that Rich and I ever had that kind of emotional intimacy. Um, yeah, I, I would look back and call it kind of this very early, clear memory of a moment of intimacy with someone. Thanks for sharing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great that's story. Good. What about you, Jacob? Yeah, so I talked about earlier using the picture of during moments of intimacy it feels like my heart is burning slash glowing and this is actually the first time that I can like think about my heart glowing it was also in college not sure I think it was I think it was when when I was a junior and I was spending time with a friend of mine he was the first male peer that I ever came out to um, he's, he's straight, uh, we were in the same major and, um, got to be pretty close. And there was one night that we were just hanging out in my room and just talking about life, talking about hard, difficult things that I was feeling and things that he was going through just being very honest about things that we were thinking and that we were feeling. And at the end of it, we, we, um, prayed together and I can picture, uh, he was sitting in a chair and I, um, came up and, and sat next to him and I put my, put my hand on his legs and he put his hands on my back and then he moved his head towards mine so that as we were praying our foreheads were actually touching and we then just took turns uh, 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 praying about what we had just talked about and for one another and I can even I can think about that feeling of my heart just being on fire and just feeling so such a deep connection and love that was that at its root and its foundation was because of our shared love of Jesus and having that be like what was like uh, springing forth out of that. And yeah, it was really beautiful. Mm. Love that. Can we touch foreheads and pray soon? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Someday. Yes. Absolutely. I love that. 
So one of our yabbers said this, and it, it like hits home, Jacob. And I don't know, y'all might agree or disagree or agree to a point, but from where I'm at, after like all these relationships and all these experiences with intimacy over the years, it, this like sums it up in a huge way for me. Um, and he said, I would say spiritual intimacy is a prerequisite for other types of intimacy. How can I say someone is intimately close to me emotionally if we do not share at our core the desire to pursue Jesus together? Why would I invite someone into physical intimacy if I do not share the conviction that we must walk well together with Christ? I need to know that the other person has my back and that they have their and that they trust me to have theirs. And I'm not saying that I can't experience physical intimacy and other sorts of intimacy with people that aren't on the same journey, but what I'm experiencing in recent months and years is that it just feels so it's just on a it's a different level of intimacy not quite the same intimacy differences that I feel between men and women but kind of it's like that spark that I feel if I know that we're on a spiritual trajectory together mm-hmm. it just feels more supercharged and more it has more legs to it than if that's not the case and that's something that I'm still piecing together very much right now but um, but as you were describing that like spiritual intimacy, mm. emotional intimacy, physical intimacy, that was like a combination of all kinds of things happening. Um, and that's how I feel about intimacy at the core is like, if the spiritual component isn't in place, it doesn't feel as, I don't know, maybe it just doesn't feel as, I wouldn't say meaningful, but I'm trying to articulate it. Like it doesn't feel like it has a long lastingness maybe that other intimacies have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like someone on the outside of that, like someone who wasn't a follower of Jesus, would say, oh, well, you're just, you've just been trained to think about people who aren't your same religion as outsiders. You, you've mm-hmm. been trained into this us and them mentality where you can't now uh, experience you can't let yourself be intimate with someone outside of, outside of that. Um, and I guess sometimes I wonder if there's some, some truth to that, but at the same time, like, I do think, I do think it is difficult to have real intimacy with someone who isn't also following Jesus because, they can't fully empathize. Mm. They can't fully know. They can't fully mm. see what is in my heart um, because they are, I mean, I guess there's no two ways around it. Like they're on the outside and, yeah. um, and so much of intimacy does have to do with that being seen and known and received. And if someone doesn't, isn't able to see and know and receive then like how much intimacy, how much real intimacy can there be? It feels, yeah. From my vantage point, it feels like there's a cap on the intimacy versus like an endless well that can keep getting deeper and deeper Mm -hmm. and grow. Mm -hmm. Like it feels like there's this throttle on it that I hate. Like I hate that there's throttles on (laughs) certain relationships in my life right now. And I don't want that to be the case. I want to like get to know people better and deeper and intimate and share more of myself. And it feels like there's this just inevitable barrier and this inevitable thing that's doesn't encourage or promote or nurture like a continued journeying. 
Many years ago, nobody knew my story. Not the deep, dark, sacred parts of it. And at the time, I would have qualified that with my sexuality. Nobody knew about my sexuality, and surely nobody ever would. I distinctly remember thinking about it late into high school, early into college, the specific scenario of lying on my deathbed, still with the secret tucked away, locked off, knowing that even then, I don't know that I could speak those words into existence, into life, into the people gathered around my bed, whoever those would be in 50, 60, 70 years. I remember at the time thinking that that was the pinnacle of intimacy, if I could ever share my sexuality with somebody, and they're not scared, and they don't run away, and they actually walk me through it alongside me, that would be true intimacy. And I've since learned that life and struggle and deep, dark chasms extend far beyond who I'm attracted to. Once one thing is revealed, there's always more. And this is life. This is life in vulnerability, and, and this is life in intimacy. This is life, really, truly life. Life lived intimately with others, and life not lived alone, if that even is life. The author Donald Miller wrote a book called Scary Close, Dropping the Act and Finding True Intimacy. And in the book, he details his long and arduous journey. In Scary Close, he writes this. Last year, I read an article about an Australian nurse named Bronnie Ware, who spent the bulk of her career in palliative care, tending patients with 12 or fewer weeks to live. Not surprisingly, most of her patients had joys and regrets. Bronnie said in the last few weeks of their lives, however, they were able to find a higher level of clarity about what mattered most. Remarkably, the most common regret of the dying was this. They wished they'd had the courage to live a life true to themselves and not the life others expected of them. As I read about Bronnie's patients, I wondered how many opinions I've wanted to share, but held back for fear of criticism. What love I've wanted to express, but stayed silent for fear of rejection. Or the poems and stories I've never released because I didn't think they were good enough for publication. It's true. I've been hurt a few times after revealing myself. There are people who lie in wait for the vulnerable and pounce as a way to feel powerful. But God forgive them. I'm willing to take the occasional blow to find people I connect with. As long as you're willing to turn the other cheek with the mean ones, vulnerability can get you a wealth of friends. Can you imagine coming to the end of your life, being surrounded by people who loved you, only to realize they never fully knew you? or having poems you never shared or injustices you said nothing about. Can you imagine realizing then it was too late? How can we be loved if we were always in hiding? And so, my brothers, however you've fared on this road of intimacy, to whatever degree you've experienced just enough of the warmth of this campfire, or been consumed by the flames, or left out in the cold, whether you feel empowered, defeated, or devastated at this prospect of being known, fully known, and somehow fully loved. Whether you share such intimacies in abundance or find yourself starving, 
May we all recognize that though a life lived in the dark may be safe, may last us a while, may even last us a long while, such life isn't fully lived, isn't fully alive, isn't a life of fruitful abundance with which we were made to be, both for ourselves and for those around us, for our Creator. With love, we risk loss. With love, we risk heartbreak, a lingering, awful heartache. With love, we risk perhaps a more gripping chill than the safer cold we left behind. But let us be bold. Let us be prudent and, and let us step further and dive deeper with others. Ledge upon ledge, well upon well. Christ our horizon, Christ our current. Christ the bond that finds us and binds us, doesn't leave us cold. I feel like in some ways this has been like such a relief to talk about intimacy in mm -hmm. like such direct terms and so openly because it's not something we really talk about very much like as a culture or as yeah as even like you know men in in our little subculture like even even for us we don't directly talk about it very often and so I think yeah. like even though it was kind of like uh, maybe we were sort of nervous going into it. Like I definitely feel a sense of like, um, uh, a sense of like, I feel cleansed a little bit. Like I've gotten some of those like thoughts and emotions and words like out. Like a masturbation cleanse. Yeah. Kind of like that. Kind of like that. Yeah. No, I feel you. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I have a simultaneous reaction of like feeling good about sharing and starting this conversation and also having, a bit of a desire for more. And I feel like mm -hmm. the opportunity to dive deeper, like we started this episode and, and for the first time I had no idea like where this was even going. Like I had an idea, I had some idea, but you know, I know that we're recording two episodes and I definitely was open to that of like, let's mm -hmm. just maybe do a two parter on intimacy. And, mm -hmm. and we kind of got the gears going today of defining it and, and sharing our kind of first dabblings and experiences with it. And I think that paves the way for, more intimate stories because it's an interesting concept of sharing something that's so secret and sacred between people mm -hmm. and figuring out like, okay, like what do we share? And, mm -hmm. um, because it's been a blessing, like hearing y'all's stories about intimacy with other people. Like that was such a blessing to get, get to get that little window into the, into the sacredness of moments that you've shared with, with other friends and other people. So I'd like to, to keep diving there. And if it gets more vulnerable, if it gets scary, like we're all, in this together. So, mm -hmm. so rest assured. There's only um, a thousand people listening. So <laughs> at this moment in time, who knows in 700 years, what our audience looks like. I don't know. <laughs> um, but I want to hear from you guys. We would love to hear your intimacy stories. Um, I think a good one to latch onto is like, yeah, that question of what is intimacy and what was like your first experience of that, um, with another friend, with another male friend, um, or you could even share like if it was so profound, like a moment of intimacy with someone in your family or, or what have you, I'd love to, to hear those stories and just kind of like, yeah, share how, how each of us got started on this relational journey with mankind. So head on over to the podcast episode page, yourotherbrothers.com slash podcast, find the episode 47 post on intimacy and share your story. I'd love to We'd love to hear what y'all 
think about this episode and about this topic. And thanks to Woodworking Glue for binding this yeah, binding, entire episode together. Binding pieces of wood together so that so that they can become something beautiful. Like a birdhouse. Yeah, yeah, like a birdhouse. <laughs> intimate birdhouse. Talk about intimate. Like if you're a little bird in that thing, that's an intimate mm-hmm. space, right? <laughs> We can talk about intimate spaces. That's a adjective. Yeah. Intimate restaurants. Yeah, we sort of went there a little like bit with that. the atmospheric intimacy. Atmospheric intimacy. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, boys. So, men. <laughs> All right, men. Yeah. All right, young men. We will we will put the pause on the intimacy button, but then we will get intimate again soon. Jacob, we will we will have you back for that, right? Absolutely. If we didn't scare you away on this on this return, yeah. Looking forward to it, y'all. That's it for this episode. For all your other brothers, this is Tom. This is Ryan. This is Jacob. Reminding you that you are not alone. Even the sparrow finds a home. Bye, everyone. See you next time, everybody. Thanks for listening to Your Other Brothers Podcast. Navigate more with us at yourotherbrothers.com and comment on this episode at yourotherbrothers.com slash podcast. Subscribe to our show to never miss an episode. And if you enjoy what we do, consider rating and reviewing us on iTunes. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Your Other Bros. If you'd like to further support our storytelling effort, consider becoming a Yabber. Yabbers pledge monthly and receive perks like calls with authors and other supporters, access to a secret Facebook group, and additional podcast content. Visit patreon.com slash yourotherbros for more information. Don't miss our monthly bonus podcast on Patreon, The Yabalog, featuring responses to previous podcasts, content not featured in public episodes, calls from listeners, and more. Ask us a question or tell us a story by leaving us a message at 706-389-8009. If you're new to the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at podcast at yourotherbrothers.com. You can also write us at Your Other Brothers, P.O. Box 843, Asheville, North Carolina, 28802. Until we journey next time, we're glad you're with us.